Hi, Tilda Muschietti, syndication attorney with the Muschietti Law Group. I focus exclusively on regulation D filings. That's your 506B and your 506C, primarily producing private placement memorandums, operating agreements, subscription agreements, investor questionnaires to make sure that syndicators are doing things and raising capital in the way that is legal and compliant with the SEC and local states' uh, jurisdictions. So, uh, Today we're going to do a deep dive into one of the big sections and the rules of Regulation D, and that is Rule 506B. thought we'd take a deep look and really understand how it works. Again, this is Tilda Muschietti, syndication attorney for the Muschietti Law Group. So today we're going to do a deep dive into Rule 506B. How are we going to do that? We are going to look at the code section itself so that we can understand how it all works and interplays there. And we'll talk about some of the nuances that are contained within that section. Most of our clients are either doing 506B or 506C. Probably 95% of my clients are, are on those two exceptions in uh, under Regulation D. So let's take a look at 506B. So this is the first part of 506B. Uh, 506B and the subsection 1. Is, subsection 1 talks about the general conditions, but let's talk about the beginning first. So... Very clearly, it says 506B, these are the conditions that must be met in offerings subject to the limitations, uh, uh, subject to the limitations. So let's go through what those conditions are. First up, general conditions, subsection one. So to qualify for this exemption, so again, let's back up just a little bit because this word exemption, what exactly do we mean by exemption? So in general, all securities must be registered either with the state or with the SEC. However, there are some regulations which allow an exemption from that registration. Regulation D is a set of rules that are exempt offerings, and so that is uh, one of the exemptions is 506B. So that's what we mean by that. So to qualify as an exemption under this section, under 506B, offers and sales must satisfy all of the terms and conditions of sections uh, 230.501 and 230.502. So let's talk about that. So automatically we're pointing to other rules and it's getting a little bit more complicated. So let's try and ease it up. When we're talking about 501, for the most part, we're talking about uh, who can invest, right? So we're talking about in 501, the big topic is accredited investors. And the other part of 501 is talks about um, also how advertising works and what's prohibited under uh, Rule 501 for 506B offerings. So 
that's what is in 501. We'll take a deeper dive into those in just a minute. But let's also talk about what is then Rule 502. Well, rule 502 is, mo is more the what. And it's what you need to say in those in order to meet the, to satisfy all the terms and conditions. Here, we're really talking about the PPM. Your private placement memorandum is there for a very specific purpose. It's to convey information from you, the sponsor, over to your investors. So I'm going to use the word sponsor. I'm going to say issuer. I may say syndicator. They're all the same thing. So those are the people, you are the person that I'm talking to. You're the sponsor, the syndicator, uh, the issuer. We're all, we're all talking about you as that person. So the PPM, what needs to be a part of that PPM? Well, first off, there is some non-financial information. Some of that is obvious, right? You need to talk about what the investment kind of is, how, you know, what, what are people giving their money for and what are they getting out of it? But it, another major piece of the PPM that is a non-financial information is your risks. So identification of those risks, disclosure of those risks, uh, disclosures of uh, any uh, conflicts of interest that may exist between you, the issuer, and the investor, uh, those are all non-financial and must be disclosed in order to uh uh, to meet the, the requirements of 502, which is in part part of 506B. Number two, there must be some disclosure of uh, finance, pretend I can spell, financial information. Uh, it actually uses the word statements in the code section, uh, but what are they really looking for? You may be asking yourself, but we just got started. We don't have any financial statements, and that's okay. They still need you to make this disclosure. So what they're really looking for here is use of funds. How, when there's going to be all this money, what is that use of funds? What how much money are we talking about? How is it going to be used by you as the sponsor? What is what is you know what is the investor likely to get from it? How is that going to work? For businesses that are already ongoing and raising capital, so say you're already an existing business, those companies can raise fund under 506B, and what they would need to disclose in that case is financial statements uh, that support just what the uh, investor is getting themselves into by investing with you. Uh, number three that needs to be disclosed is the opportunity to ask questions. So investors need to have an opportunity to ask you as a sponsor questions that may they may have. Otherwise, it hasn't been really this kind of uh, open kimono system of let me explain everything about the investment to you. We do not keep anything in the in our investments behind closed doors and do not let the investors know uh, if it's something that's materially affects them. And so they need that ability to ask those questions. And it's required by uh, 502 that they have that opportunity. So in our PPM, we make it very clear that that opportunity is here. Here's the contact information, etc. And number four on the uh, 
uh, on the, these is uh, a biggie, and we'll actually do another video on this later, but it is the limitations on resale. The SEC doesn't want people just buying up these, uh, buying up these in order to create a secondary marketplace where they can be traded. So these are private offerings, hence the name private placement memorandum or private placement, because they're not a public offering. It's not being opened up to the public. And so we're not trying to create a marketplace here. And the SEC is very concerned that people will try and do an end run around the system, basically do a rigged offering, which is really in disguise a public offering, that is not allowed, and that is why there is these uh, limitations on resale. A discussion of that must be within that PPM to satisfy the conditions of 230.502. So this is Rule 506B, uh, and specifically uh, five, uh, 501. Now, uh, we have the this other rule under 501c, and these are this talks about the advertising. So this is this portion here that we're talking about uh, about advertising. So what you are not allowed to do, except as provided by Rule 504, which this is not. I know it says B there. This is 504B, not 506B. That's a completely different thing. 504 offerings exist, but they are actually much more complicated, and most people opt not to do them. Most people opt to do 506B and 506C. Um, so except as provided by 504B and, of course, 506C, which we're not really talking about here, but is the other big exception uh, under Reg D. Uh, neither uh, the issuer nor any person acting on its behalf may make this as a general solicitation. This is the, the key phrase that's oftentimes used, is this isn't a general solicitation, meaning that we cannot advertise and put it out into the public for people that you don't know. So when you're on the phone doing a consultation with me, I will most often say, do you have a significant relationship to all of your investors? Or do you have a significant business relationship with all of your investors? This is why I'm asking that question, because if you don't have a significant relationship with those investors, you cannot find those investors because you don't have this relationship with them. You have to advertise, right? And if you have to advertise, then we're under this Rule 506C, uh, not 506B. So uh, the uh, when we're talking about advertising, they, of course, give us a definition of what they mean by advertising. Any advertisement, article, notice, other communication published in a newspaper, magazine, similar media, broadcast over television, radio, why they didn't mention internet, I don't know, but internet definitely applies. You cannot be putting this on social media and saying, this is a great offering, come invest with us. Uh, if you get caught with that, you are not in compliance with Rule 506B, and uh, so that bad things will happen as a result of that. 
And then it uses the often used technique. It certainly was used a lot more COVID, during COVID, uh, pre-COVID days by putting together a seminar or a meeting to discuss uh, investments. So you can't put a seminar, some sort of live thing together in order to invite people in and then pitch them the offering. Now, you certainly can do a seminar or a meeting and have these people just generally invited and have people that you don't know, but you cannot be pitching your specific offering to them. You should not be saying, well, and here's an example. I would not discuss whatever that particular offering is that's a 506B offering. You should not discuss it at all at that meeting if you choose to do that. So that's rule that's uh, rule 506 uh, 501c. So let's do a deep dive into rule 506b2 and then we're going to circle back to um, uh, to what the accredited investors portion of rule of that section 501 again. So under 506b2 there are is a specific conditions on uh, there are specific conditions on what you must do. So there is a limitation on the number of purchasers. Now, some of this is going to be surprising, so stay tuned. Um, there is a limitation on the number of purchasers. There may be no more than 35 purchasers of securities from the issuer in the offering under this section in any 90-day period. All right, two interesting parts there. No more than 35 purchasers and 90-day period. So let's first talk about the 90-day period because here's an interesting opportunity. If you have more than 35 investors uh, who meet this definition, then they can invest. They just cannot invest within the same 90-day period. So a regular Reg D offering is valid from that, that Form D filing for a period of one year. So you could do four different offerings during that period of time uh, and pull in a lot more than 35, but it would have to be broken up so that you don't have more than 35 purchasers within any 90-day period. So that's interesting. Now let's talk about this 35 in, uh, purchasers and you're thinking to yourself, wait, I thought that I could only have 35 non-accredited investors in my 506B offering. I've got a lot more who are accredited investors. How on earth am I going to make this happen? Hold on, not to worry. This is rule 501E. So 501E, and we're going to skip right to the punchline, is here. Subsection 4 of rule 501E says... That well, first 501 says, uh, uh, or 501 E subsection one says the following purchasers shall be excluded, and the punchline is one of those people, those people who are accredited investors are excluded, they do not count for that 35. So, not to worry, there's actually a footnote in Rule 506b2 that points directly to this. Uh, rule for 501E so that there's not any confusion. 
So under 501E. So you you do not need to count as part of your 35 any accredited investors. There's actually some other interesting people who are not included as well. Say you have a husband and uh, husband and wife who are uh, where the husband is a non-accredited investor and he wants to invest in the property. No problem. He can come in. He's a friend of yours. They can come in. No problem. But the spouse would also like to invest. Again, no problem under 501E1I or 1 uh, because any relative uh, of the spouse, as long as they share the same primary residence as the purchaser, shall not be counted. So you only need to count the one person rather than the two. Uh, also interesting is uh, a trust in a state where there is collectively, uh, where where one person has, uh, has collectively more than 50% of the beneficial interest. Uh, uh, they, they do not need to count any of those other people that are, have a beneficiary, uh, beneficial interest in the trust. And you can leave it to your children because that's excluding contingent interests. So if you're still living, the trust can leave it there too. Uh, also interesting is any corporation can, uh, can also be an invest, uh, can also be an investor. And so long as the beneficial owner owns more than 50%, even if that person is a non-accredited investor, that person will count, that one person, but the remainder of the people, as long as they own less than 50%, they aren't going to count. Interesting. Uh, and of course, any accredited investor is there. So this is Rule 506B. Uh, so Rule 506B uh, is probably represents maybe half of the people that we do uh, private placement memorandums for. If you need some help with your syndication, be it for real estate, you're an entrepreneur, you're raising some capital for your business, or you're putting together that new cryptocurrency hedge fund, give us a call. My name is Tilden Muschietti. I am a syndication attorney, or visit us online on at www.muschettilaw.com or if you need help just with your private placement memorandums we've got you covered there too ppm.muschettilaw.com